Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations by Practical E-commerce. I'm Kerry Murdoch. Innovation on the internet depends on the ability by entrepreneurs to protect intellectual property. But that protection could be threatened by a case pending at the US Supreme Court. It's known as the Bilski case and the issue loosely is whether patents can be applied to inventions not tied to physical products or not tied to transformations of physical products. To help us understand the importance of the case as it applies to the internet and e-commerce, we are joined by Robert Kovelman, an intellectual property attorney and an expert in U.S. patent law. Well, Robert, thank you for your time today. Uh, thank you, Carrie. It's a pleasure speaking with you today. Robert, there's a case uh, awaiting decision at the U.S. Supreme Court that, depending on one's view, can can stifle uh, internet innovation or protect legitimate intellectual property. That case can affect e-commerce in a variety of ways. Could you could you tell could you tell us a little about that case? Sure, Kerry. The case is called In Ray Bilsky, and the case relates to a method of hedging risk in the field of commodities trading. And the reason it's an important case is the examiner during prosecution had determined that all the Bilski invention was doing was manipulating an abstract idea and only solving a purely mathematical problem. And Mr. Bilski, after that uh, exchange with the examiner, appealed to the patent board, who likewise found that the claims did not involve patent-eligible subject matter and were really just Uh, manipulation of an abstract idea. This is an important question and the Federal Circuit, which is responsible for hearing appeals on patent matters, uh, took up the case and overturned a long string of precedent both for the Federal Circuit and the Supreme Court and eliminated what was called the useful concrete and tangible test for patent eligible subject matter and replaced it with what was called the machine and transformation test, which is a much more rigid test for patentable eligible subject matter. The reason this is important is this goes to a fundamental or gatekeeper question. That is, what is patent eligible subject matter? And the Supreme Court's about to decide that issue. So why does that matter to our listeners, Robert, our listeners are e-commerce merchants and developers for the most part. They make their living online. Why does this case matter to them? Well, I think it's important because the section of the patent law, Section 101, which governs what is patent-eligible subject matter, essentially says that any new and useful process, machine, manufacturer, and the like, is patentable. The Supreme Court, however, uh, despite their written precedent, has been making uh, oral comments that they're not necessarily willing to 
extend or overprotect uh, patents in, um, at the risk of, if you will, avoiding a diminished incentive to inventors. So it's an important question for e-commerce people because they need to know what is patentable subject matter. Uh, is software going to maintain its current status as being patentable? Are business methods going to maintain their current status as patentable? And as Justice Breyer has stated from the Supreme Court, he doesn't necessarily believe that the Supreme Court has addressed that issue and that the court's operating under the assumption that software is patentable, but it's not a settled question. So it's an issue about what in the future is going to be patentable. Now, the last thing I'll say on that is that the section really should be a dynamic um, provision. Uh, the founding fathers, I don't think, intended for Congress to limit inventions to what was at the state of time of you know, the 17-1800s. The definition needs to be broad enough so that it can encompass new technology, software, medical techniques, and the like as technology advances. So it's a very important question about what will and will not be entitled to protection going forward. If the court, if the Supreme Court validates the lower court's decision, the circuit court's decision, and, and has a very restrictive view of the issuance of patents, is there any Internet innovation, intellectual in innovation on the web that can be patentable? I think the answer would, would be yes. Although the machine transformation test is more restrictive than the test that was applied before, namely useful, concrete, and tangible, it comes down to you need to have some form of transformation of physical object, or you need to have the invention or method tied to a specific structure. And if you tie your invention, so you have a method for exchanging emails, if you will, or security protocols, but it's tied to a specific memory and a specific uh, network configuration or something like that, you have a better chance of being able to obtain the patent. So I don't think it will eliminate these entirely unless the court comes right out and says that these are not patent eligible, but I think it could make it a bit more difficult in order to obtain protection. So presumably, some of the innovators over the last decade on the Internet, and I'm thinking like Google and Amazon, presumably those companies have patents right now. I don't, I don't know what they are for sure, other than what I've read in the, in the general press. But presumably Google has patents on, say, its search algorithms, and mm -hmm. Amazon has patents on its one-click technology. Uh, are those patents threatened by Bilski? I, I think they do have a sense of risk here. Uh, the Supreme Court justices, and at least in their oral arguments uh, during various cases, have said that uh, it's not settled, for example, whether software is actually patentable subject matter. They're operating on the assumption that it is after the State Street Bank case was issued and people have been getting patents on that technology. Uh, it raises an interesting question. Uh, will the patents that have already issued be subject to some form of correction if the Bilski test is uh, either maintained or it's more restrictive. Currently, pending applications can be amended. In our practice, we're finding the examiners are allowing us to amend the claims to add in this more specific structure, the machine portion of the test, and get the cases to allowance and allow the patent to issue. If the patent's already issued, while there's a presumption of validity, 
there is a question of how do you correct that. Perhaps what we call a reissue proceeding might work, but the problem with that is the applicant would have to then have his patent reviewed from the outset under all the rules. It's not just an issue of changing the claims uh, to add more structure. It will be reviewed in view of all art the examiner finds and any other issues the examiner wants to raise. So it's a danger that they could lose their patent by having it reissue. So it is something that's going to impact current patents, perhaps more than current pending patent applications. And it's going to send some um, messages, if you will, to the e-commerce community uh, in the next couple of days. Next couple of days, you think the decision will come down? Justice Roberts stated uh, probably about four months ago, maybe a little less, uh, that they expected the Bilski decision to come down before the end of the spring term, which is June 28th. So our thought is uh, it should come out any time. Do you have thoughts on uh, – do you have a uh, a prediction or a guess on that decision given the fact that the court took that case to begin with and it's been – it's the court has had that case, I believe, since – was it last fall, last November or so that yes. the court's had the case? So yeah. given all of that, what – what do you anticipate as an expert in this topic? What do you anticipate is going to happen? Well, I think, uh, first of all, Justice Roberts made a comment uh, about a year and a half ago that he said that the Federal Circuit was not necessarily following a Supreme Court precedent. That tells me that's one of the reasons the Supreme Court took the decision. They weren't happy with what the Federal Circuit did. Now, as we've discussed previously, the oral arguments, the judges expressed some very healthy skepticism towards software and business method patents and whether they should be patentable in, in the first place. However, if you look at some of the more major decisions that have come down recently, first of all, the delay uh, for major decisions is above the average time between oral hearing and rendering the decision for you know, these, these major decisions that have fundamentally changed patent law or clarified it. And Bilski has been uh, over 220 days to this point and that's consistent with the delay for important cases. Now, despite the oral argument comments that are made by the judge with skepticism, it's interesting that some of the more important cases, KSR, for example, that dealt with obviousness, the court rejected the rigid test uh, teaching suggestion and motivation imposed by the Federal Circuit. Likewise, in Festo, which dealt with prosecution history estoppel and whether your statements made during prosecution can stop you from claiming certain scope of coverage. Again, they rejected an all-absolute bar rule. And then third, for example, in the Quanta case, the court again rejected an inflexible rigid test and said that patent exhaustion applies to method claims. So there, there's, there's the talk of the justices, and yet in each of their recent major decisions, they come down with these flexible tests. So I think there's a good chance that the court's going to come down with something a little more flexible than the limited transformation or machine test. It's interesting. If if they don't, <laughs> I guess that's a hypothetical question. If they don't, uh, do you see congressional action? Do you see, I guess we'll, we would cross that bridge when we get there. That's, it's just, a, it, it strikes me as, is, uh, as difficult to fathom. I mean, given the scope of our economy and the shift of our economy towards an intellectual economy, <laughs> the fact that some of those innovations aren't protected, that 
uh, 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 I'm struggling. I'm trying to get my mind around that in terms of well, the. Well, well, I'm I, with you. I'm with <laughs> you on, on your struggling. I think Section 101 is again is a dynamic provision, and it's written to encompass not only current but future technologies. If it wasn't written that way, then you can't have any patents issue because everything would be the prior art. It would be nothing new. You have to have it a living, breathing definition. And it's not just the definition of Section 101 of what is eligible, patentable subject matter. That's only the first step. I think the, everything should be eligible if it satisfies the definition. There's nothing about transformation or linkage to a machine in Section 101. It just says any new and useful process machine, etc. And the courts have, re- not recently, but have frequently stated that anything made by man under the sun is patentable. And I think the definition works. The issue with Bilski, for example, is the patent office in the Federal Circuit rejected saying it's an abstract idea. So if it's an abstract idea, a law of nature, or a natural phenomenon, that wasn't made by man. That is something that was discovered by man, but it's not made by man. So I think the definition continues to work. You ask what will Congress do if the court leaves the test in place or if it makes it even more restrictive. Uh, I think that Congress is likely to overturn the decision in some level. Uh, In the 1952 Act, Congress changed the word art to process. That's all they said, any process. They didn't put in any of these restrictions. Likewise, the Patent Reformation Act has been pending for a number of years, and no one really can say when it's going to issue. But handling some of the tough questions Congress is looking to in that act, it's, it's quite possible that Congress will also clarify what they deem to be eligible subject matter if the court goes in a direction Congress does not like. It's interesting. Tell us a little bit about your practice, Robert, uh, the firm you're with. I know you're an expert in intellectual property and patent law. Tell us about yourself and your firm and your practice. Uh, I've been practicing for about 20 years now, and I'm currently with the uh, law firm Steptoe & Johnson in their Century City office, and I manage the intellectual property in this office for the firm. Uh, I handle um, significant transactional matters, a lot of licensing and opinion work, uh, testified in court, and uh, work on a lot of gaming-type applications, so I'm well familiar with Internet-based technology and software encryption, security, and the like. And I also have uh, experience with litigation, uh, both as, again, testifying as an expert witness, as well as uh, running cases. And I can see how this fundamental question can really impact the ongoing nature of e-commerce for people now and, you know, in the, at least the short-term future. Century City being Century City, California, of course. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. We've got just another minute or so left. Robert, anything else on your mind for our listeners who, are, again, are mainly e-commerce merchants? Well, I, I think the, this is a case that definitely needs to be reviewed. Uh, it's interesting that the Supreme Court previously in the Lab Court case had granted cert and then chosen not to take cert after all. They dismissed it as saying it was improvidently granted. That was a case that was very similar to Bilski in the sense of um, what could be patent-eligible subject matter. And that was about four years ago. So I find it interesting that the court had chosen not to rule on the decision at that time and has now decided to take it up at this point. And um, I think we're in for uh, some interesting times with respect to at least this issue as to what's going to continue to be patent-eligible subject matter. 
Well, for purposes of our listeners, we've been discussing with Robert Kovelman. Robert is a partner with the law firm of Steptoe and Johnson, uh, located in the Los Angeles area. Robert is an expert in patent law and intellectual property law. There is a case that's pending with the Supreme Court right now that could affect innovation on the Internet. It's known as the Bilski case. I would encourage our listeners to keep track of the Bilski case. Robert's firm, Steptoe and Johnson, has a website. It's steptoe.com. Let me spell that. That is S, T is in Tom, E, P is in Paul, T is in Tom, O, E, steptoe.com. And Robert Kovelman, a partner with Steptoe and Johnson, we want to thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much.